Hello, Duck fans! Welcome to a Monday edition of the show. It's a new week. Yes, it is! I want to start out by thanking the frontline workers out there, those of you who are in the hospitals and healthcare facilities, keeping people alive and uh, healthy during this time of crisis, and those of you who are keeping the grocery sh uh, shelves stocked and manning the cash registers. Really appreciate you keeping the economy going while the rest of us are stuck at home. And I really do appreciate you listeners tuning in every day. I love it. I love y'all. Thank you very much. Let's have fun together. Today we're going to be kicking off the What If Week here on the Locked On Network. We're going to have some uh, fun responses to listener concerns about my obsession with Chip Kelly, uh, uh, with Kevin McCormick for McCormick Mondays. And then down the stretch, I'm actually going to be talking about Chip Kelly. So, uh, and, and then actually do a, a segment on what if there were no coronavirus. So uh, we got a, a, an action-packed show for you today. It's historical counterfactuals. It's going to be fun. Tomorrow and Thursday, we're talking basketball. Wednesday and Friday, we have position groups breakdown with James Voss from jamesvoss.net. So let's go ahead and switch it on. You have too much to give to say silent. That's what he said. That's what he believed. That's what he lived. The American in front, almost a cult in the United States. He's a sort of athletic beetle. Now wait a minute. It's official. Oregon is going to be in the BCS championship game. <laughs> Welcome to Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long. You can always follow me on Twitter at the Dustoff Guy. Please do. And you can always find the show on Twitter at Locked On Ducks. Go ahead and send in questions and comments to Twitter with the hashtags AskLodPod. That's hashtags AskLodPod. Uh, what is your ideal what if scenario? I want to hear from you. And if Twitter's not your jam, go ahead and hit us up on the Facebook page, Locked On Ducks, or you can always email me, LockedOnDucks at gmail.com. Go ahead and click subscribe or follow on whatever your favorite podcast platform is. I do really appreciate the subscriptions. That's the best part. That's the best way to support the show. Also, if you are on uh, Apple Podcasts, leave five out of five stars review. If you don't think I deserve five stars, go ahead and leave five anyway because uh, you just tell me why in a show review and I'll fix it for you because this is the People's Podcast. The only way we're going to have fun is if we're in it together. Uh, yeah, so go ahead, leave five out of five stars review. Really, really like that. Remember that this episode and every episode in the month of May is brought to you by BuiltBar.com. Check them out at BuiltBar.com and get $10 off your first box with the promo code Locked On. Now, on to the action. All right, I'm here with Kevin McCormick, the producer of world-renowned sports on YouTube and also a science fiction writer. Go ahead and check him out on Twitter at AukduClarus. That's A-U-C-T-O-R-C-L-A-R-U-S. How you doing, Kevin? Jordan, what it do? Duck Nation, how it be? I'm pumped. Let's do this thing. All right, I do want to get right into it. We got a lot to talk about with historical counterfactuals, and I know this is a love of ours because we are both uh, PSU, Portland State University, PSU <laughs> alums in the history department. Uh, shout out to them. They're awesome. And I love history. Let's get right into it. You, among other listeners, had brought up to me uh, a, a certain uh, 
challenge to the idea that the Chip Kelly era was among the, the if not the, I, I said it was the best uh, quarterback era and the best era in uh, Oregon Ducks football history. And uh, this met with some resistance from listeners. <laughs> and I want to acknowledge that by saying, what if Dan Fouts had not played at Oregon? Ooh. I know, I know, it's good stuff. I'd, Dan Fouts, as I, as I dove into his career, this is a fascinating thing. Let's just start from the beginning, at least the beginning at Oregon. He only had a scholarship offer from Oregon. In fact, he wasn't even considered by John McKay's Trojans, which... Like you would think, and I know you're from California, so the proximity here is going to make sense to you, and or not make sense to you, but make sense to those of us in Oregon who think that San Francisco is close to USC. But you would think that John McKay's Trojans would have taken a look at this guy. They didn't even consider him. And the, the, the fact that uh, he played high school at St. Ignatius in San Francisco uh, and didn't even get considered by... John McKay's Trojans is phenomenal. Well, to that's me. why we were talking about it earlier. I brought, I suggested uh, Cal, you know, Berkeley, where of course uh, Aaron Rodgers played quarterback. Uh, I, I realized that we live in a big rectangle of a state, so it's probably kind of hard to keep in mind that, that California is as long as Kentucky is wide. <laughs> it's it's a real long state, so I, I feel like Cal would be the more natural destination if we're talking about proximity. But obviously, any anywhere in the Pac-8 back then, UCLA, USC, Washington. Hell, any school. It's crazy that this guy didn't get scouted by anybody else. Oh, it's phenomenal. And when he did uh, come to Oregon, he set 19 school records as a quarterback. Now, just as a reminder, and you know I love to point out the fundamentals here because there are listeners out there who don't know the facts, uh, uh, even though they may be well-schooled in other areas of the sport. Dan Fouts played for Oregon from 1970 to 1972 and wasn't... let me just step back a minute and say he should have been in serious contention for the uh, Mount Duckmore uh, episode that I did uh, for sure. Emerald City Sports before I came on to uh, Locked on Ducks. And we're actually going to have to do that episode again for, for the good listeners out there. But uh, among that 19 uh, school records was not his touchdown to interception ratio, which was 37 <laughs> to 54. He did, however, had almost 6,000 yards. And after leaving... And going pro, he came back after four years to get a degree in political science while he was a professional football player. And uh, I just, I love this. Beat number 15 UCLA in the fourth quarter after being down 40 to 21 in what has to be among the best college football comebacks of all time. I, I would assume so. Yeah, that's that, that's got like the shades of like Frank Wright coming back from like thirty five to three in the playoffs. You know. Oh, Frank Frank who? I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, Frank Frank Wright. My favorite yeah. Philadelphia Eagle now working for the Colts. St. Francis, we like Frank. Yes. But yeah, those numbers look really weird, and I, I looked at them and I kind of chuckled earlier, and I was like, "How is this guy like a good quarterback?" Obviously, very very different era of passing the ball, very different era of defensive rules. So the. If you look at really any great quarterback back then, their numbers are very much the same. So you, you, you youngsters out here who are like chuckling, oh, he's Jameis Winston. <laughs> no, very different era. This actually was a very good college quarterback. Uh, you're absolutely right. And I, I just want to uh, uh, jump right into his career with the Chargers. Uh, third round, numbers, the, the 64th draft pick overall that year, uh, right. spent 15 years. This was a time when... Uh, uh, people spent their whole career with a particular team. And actually, let's you know, let's talk about that time for a second. Uh, this was a 
transitional period for the NFL. Big time. When it went from, uh, and I know a lot of people want to point to like the 40s and 50s for this, but I really think in the 70s we're seeing it go from a, a rugby game to a an American football game. Largely due to the San Diego Chargers at the time, by the way. And, you know, I, I don't know how much we want to go off on this, but yeah, as, as a transitional time, you're absolutely right. Like there were guys who got drafted by the NFL, but went to the Canadian football league because it was like better money. There, there were guys, uh, the kickers getting drafted in the first round. And like I said, as we will get into probably in the next segment, the San Diego chargers changed football in this time. Like, like the, the whole famous air Coriel thing that, that was uh, this perfect marriage of uh, coach and quarterback that just, created the, the Pat Mahomeses of the world where they're just flinging it every single play. I, I love it. Uh, you did make the, the famous Jameis comparison with the uninitiated, and that is a comparison that I, I tend to make with Dan Fouts, but uh, that's really has to do with the touchdown to interception ratio. Let me go ahead and talk a little bit about uh, Dan Fouts's uh, career at, at San Diego, and then when we come back from the uh, from. Uh, me talking about how awesome Built Bar is, we'll go ahead and get into uh, your reaction to that. So, uh, like I said, spent 15 years, uh, 15 years with the Chargers. He was 254 to, to a 242 touchdown to interception ratio. So, like, basically throwing the same amount. Uh, he was the NFL 1980s All-Decade Team. He was initiated in the Hall of Fame in 1993, six-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, and the uh, four times a passing yards leader. Now he's part of this 40 K the 40,000 yards club, which was a big deal back then, like a really big deal back then. But, uh, current players in the 40 K plus, uh, club are breeze, Brady, big Ben, uh, Matt Ryan, Rogers, your boy, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Matt Stafford, Joey Flacco. And of course, Philip rivers, uh, the, the chargers have retired the, the number 14, and I can't believe I didn't talk about this connection during the uh, uh, Locked On Chargers segment where I talked about uh, 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 Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, that, let's go ahead and when we come back, we're going to talk about how the Chargers were the most stable quarterback room in the NFL. And it's actually going to be a good move for Herbert. I want to get uh, uh, Kevin's reaction to... Uh, Dan Fouts' time in San Diego. Uh, but first, really, uh, you know, basically Built Bar is for health the way that Dan Fouts was for San Diego. Uh, these things taste like candy bars, but they're loaded with protein. They're so healthy and actually look pretty low in calories given the, 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 the punch they pack in flavor. Uh, I actually give it to my 10-year-old son, Jacob, for dessert. <laughs> and and I've said, as I mentioned on this show before, I'm doing my part for coronavirus. I, I've refused to go to the gym uh, for the foreseeable future, but I do keep a box of Built Bars in my studio. I just got my second one in the mail, and I actually have an order in. They just got the cookie dough flavor, and uh, I'm super excited to get that. And you may not hear me talk about the my like each flavor I'm trying because for the next couple of weeks I'm just going to be eating cookie dough Built Bars, but. Anyway, I digress. Sorry. Uh, Bill Walton School of Podcasting. They have 16 flavors, 8 chocolate with nuts, 8 chocolate without nuts, 2 separate facilities to prevent co cross-contamination. Uh, today I did have uh, the double chocolate. I just said, you know what, I'm instead of telling the fans about a new flavor like banana chocolate, which I'll try tomorrow, 
I'm just going to eat the double chocolate because it's like a Three Musketeers bar. Uh, it had 170 calories, 18 grams of protein, 7 grams of fiber, and only 4 grams of sugar. I don't know how they do it. And what's crazy is it's not loaded with these chemicals. Anyway, I digress. But before we get to uh, before we get to the Chargers career of Dan Fouts, I do want to mention a Cam McCormick, friend of the podcast, who has uh, basically become the number one tight end on our depth chart because he once again liked our show on Twitter. And I'm sorry, Hunter Campmoyer. I'm sorry, Kevin, uh, <laughs> your, your, your hometown hero from Bishop, California, uh, failed to like the latest episode of uh, Locked on Docs. So because he was too busy being awesome. As a he, bishop. He's freaking awesome. He's too busy being a Bishop Bronco. This is, I'm sorry, Hunter Campmoyer and Cam McCormick are basically, uh, are basically Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Anyway, again, I digress. So... Getting back to it, the Chargers had the most stable quarterback room in the NFL. And I got some pushback on this, but how could this not be good for Herbert, right? In the last 50 or 50 years, they've had five quarterbacks in 40 of those years. You know, it, it turns out we're going to talk a lot about Dan Fouts and the Chargers. And like the awesome album name that you just introduced me to, this show is all killer, no filler. So, Kevin, tell me about... Dan Fouts, the Charger. Jordan's music taste stopped in uh, 1975, so he had never heard of that before today. But <laughs> true, uh, yeah. So yeah, Dan. Uh, he, you know, he played a lot right away because uh, they brought over Johnny Unitas from the Colts, the famous Johnny Unitas who played in Super Bowl three against you know Joe Namath's Jets. Who uh, I guarantee it, we're gonna win. And Johnny's body was kind of falling apart here, uh, so Dan was kind of a part-time starter these first couple years. Um, you know, probably not a lot of people are aware, but he played five years before Don Coriel got there. I, I certainly wasn't aware before I was doing mm. uh, research for this. And, you know, uh, Dan's numbers were kind of mediocre before that, but that was certainly the rocket Truth. ship. That, yeah. was, that, was, that was the engine for his career. But that's what's interesting, right? He's yeah. the Philip Rivers of the 70s and 80s Definitely. and took all this yeah. time to get started. Well, the, the, the only problem I have with that analogy is Phil didn't have one single coach who he's associated with. He had a multitude oh, right, of coaches. Right. Yeah, yeah. And really kind of more due to the era, he had this like explosion of you know yards and touchdowns. And Phil's a great quarterback. I'm not denigrating Phil at all. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this, this was very much a match made in heaven. You know, Fouts was a strong-armed pocket quarterback. And that's exactly what Don Coriel needed to run this vertical offense. Let's talk about the vertical offense for a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if we want to get too deep into the nuts and bolts. I don't know how much people care about this stuff. But it completely revolutionized offense in the 70s and 80s. It really replaced like the three yards in a cloud of dust like smash mouth style like rugby like you were talking about yeah. like yeah don coriel and bill walsh are the most important people in the last 40 years as as it pertains to nfl offense please hit us up on hashtags ask Lodpod with your opinion of whether or not kevin mccormick's analysis of <laughs> the bill walsh school of changing football is accurate yeah please go ahead sorry uh and don coriel was a little bit of a madman you know, like receivers didn't have a set position. They, they could move essentially anywhere in the offense. And it was just huck it deep. It's just like yard ball, like you're playing with your buddies. They, they added, uh, of course, Kellen Winslow, who changed the tight end position. He was the very first uh, Gronkowski type of tight end. Oh, where the strong, yes. the strong safety was really just kind of an extra linebacker. Used mostly in run support. Like, that guy can't cover Kellen Winslow. Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, but, but what about like Mike? I thought Mike Didka like invented this receiving tight end who basically... Chain, 
we're going to make a power forward a receiver. Sure, yeah. And, and he's not just a blocker, like he's the actual like, scoring threat down there. He's not remotely in the same athletic class as a Kellen Winslow or a Gronk. He went crazy in the 60s. Like, he had a couple seasons where he scored, like, 14, 15 touchdowns. Because he was on the cutting edge of this dynamic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kellen Winslow was the evolution of it. And you had guys like John Jefferson get in there. Like, he gets uh, drafted by the Chargers, and he scores, or, or, excuse me, he goes over 1,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. First time that was ever done. Later got traded because of a contract dispute. Never went over 1,000 ever again. So that tells you what the effectiveness of this Chargers offense was. But I'd really like to get into the 81 season a little bit because oh gosh, it is yeah. awesome and hilarious. I'm so ready to hit they, up YouTube for just all the 81 Chargers games. Hell I yes. They, they scored a million points and they gave up a million points. Their, their corners made all opposing receivers look like Randy Moss. Uh, they would The year after hire Tom Bass, the next year away from Tampa. Uh, who, by, by the way, when he was in Tampa, he was working for John McKay, who we discussed earlier. And he also worked for Paul Brown, uh, famously, you know, the NFL pioneer, Paul Brown. Right. Uh, but the, in 81, Tom Bass was not there, and they were the worst defense in the league by far. <laughs> Weirdly, in 79, they were fantastic. They were led by Big Hands Johnson, Louis Kelcher, and Fred Dean up front. They were the the modern-day 49ers. That was the, the late 70s Chargers as oh, far as, like, a that. terrifying defensive yeah. front seven. But uh, they let Fred Which, Dean... Which, by the way, had two Oregonians on it. That's I'm right. just saying. <laughs> I mean, Oregon Ducks on it. And then they, uh, they dropped Fred Dean over a contract dispute. And their sack numbers, which they didn't even count sacks until 1982. But somehow somebody figured this out. But their, <laughs> their sacks went through the floor. They had 60 sacks in, in 1979. And that just you know goes to show that players are not a uh, fungible resource. Like Fred Dean was the linchpin of this thing. Uh, but they went to the conference title game anyway. Because like I said, they were scoring a billion points. And they, they lost to uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Who then got destroyed by uh, Joe Montana's San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Dan played badly in that conference title game. It was not all on him. The running back Chuck Muncie fumbled three times. Oh God! But uh, Dan never got got that close ever again. What it, was uh, what was the weather like? Uh, that's a very good question. I did, it's it's on Pro Football Reference. I did not make it because I know we have like the freezer bowl or whatever it was and like some right. of these more famous I, games I, I, in that year i think it actually was the freezer bowl yes i, I believe right? that was the actual freezer bowl literally, the, literally way, the game by the way i know this is totally off topic but uh i ordered a an official nfl football from uh amazon.com and this thing is massive like i'm sorry like I'm, i don't want to get in any deflate gate bs right now but <laughs> If this thing is coming at me at like 65 miles an hour an hour, and it's frozen, I I would probably run from it. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm being shot at. This thing is massive. It's, yeah, I, yeah it's massive. It's, so, <laughs> it's probably 1.4 times the size of the college ball you have. It's incredible. It yeah. really is incredible. Yeah. But I, I actually want to take a second to point out how I really think that Justin Herbert in Los Angeles is an ideal scenario because they've had a, the most stable QB room in the last 50 years. Whereas, uh, like, how many teams have we seen try and bring in a first, a number one overall pick to save their franchise as a quarterback? Yeah, it's the, the, the landscape is littered with uh, busts and chumps and, oh, remember that guy. And, you know, the, when you first uh, texted me that, uh, you know, stat about they've had essentially like five guys over 50 years. It's crazy. It was like, I didn't even believe it. But I looked back and I was like, holy hell. Yeah. This goes through like multiple regimes of like general managers and coaches. It's like, why would this be the case? Is it just because like 
I, I don't know, like we're, we're geographically way out here and it just takes somebody that really wants to be here to stay. I, I don't know. It's, it's really strange. But then you get, you get into like the Baltimore Ravens with linebackers. For some reason, they always have the best linebackers in the league, like going through like multiple, like I said, regimes. It's, it's crazy. And just to give some perspective on what we're talking about, uh, when I was pre- preparing for this, I, I discovered that in the last uh, 50 years, or I'm sorry, in the last 60 years, uh, 10 of those years for the Los, uh, San Diego Chargers, back then anyway, they were the Chargers will just say. I like say, Los Diego. Were, were Hadel. 14 of those years were Dan Fouts. Six of them were Humphreys. Four of them were Breeze. And 15 of them were Rivers. That's That's incredible. I honestly think there's an element of these these West Coast franchises are just so far flung that they just kind of develop like a family around it. Like the Mariners and the Seahawks, they kind of have that vibe too. You know, it's, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Which, uh, I'm going to use that to support my declaration, my hot take of the week, Kevin, is that Justin Herbert will be the next Dan Fouts and Phillip Rivers. I like it. All right. I, would, I, I do want to uh, get into this post-football uh, uh, thing really quick with with Dan Fouts that he and Ian Eagle pretty much were the second best color commentator team or the, the I'm sorry commentator team to Jim Nance and Phil Sims. In fact, Dan Fouts's dad was Bob Fouts, who was the 49ers uh, play caller for 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 all time. And Frisco legend. This is really uh, gets at the heart at what I'm talking about or, or what I want to address with this historical counterfactual. Uh, but before I make my final declaration, I do want to point the listeners towards the Dominic Fouts Memorial Cancer Fund. Uh, Dan Fouts's son, uh, uh, Dom Daddy, Dom, uh, you know, pick your nickname. The, 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 the man was a, a phenomenal human being, but um, Dominic died in 2012 after a three-year bout with colon cancer. So please uh, go over to the Dominic Fouts Memorial Cancer Fund and uh, 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 do what you can. I know it's, it's tough times, but uh, uh, it's it's definitely worth a mention. But uh, well, Dan, Dan's a great guy, and he's you know duck family. So that's oh gosh, that. he well, loves one, one more Oregon. He, uh, yeah. when he he said when he moved up here in an interview, he said when he moved to Eugene uh, to play for the Ducks, he immediately fell in love with Oregon, the scenery, and the people. And, and this guy, he, he lives in Sisters, Oregon right now. If you're <laughs> over in Central Oregon, go to the grocery store every day until you see Dan Fouts with his signature. He's got a gray beard now, right? Like, remember, he was one of the beard quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, uh, it was, before it was cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, so my, my, my summation is that uh, if he had not been uh, given a scholarship by Oregon, he would have gone into a broadcasting career in I the family so. tradition yeah. and never led the Chargers to the conference title game conference yeah. title game yeah. and had the career that he did. And we're going to get into that in just a second. All right, welcome back to Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Jordan Long. I'm here with Kevin McCormick, uh, the the producer of World Renowned Sports on YouTube and science fiction author. So, Kevin, you were about to tell us something. Yes, I, I, I want to give you my thoughts on, you know, the, the what if of Dan Fouts' career, but uh, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up when... Uh, Will Ferrell played him in the, the wonderful SNL skit where uh, Dana Carvey was Dennis Miller, and I don't remember. Oh, I yes. don't remember who played Al Michaels, but I just remember Will Ferrell kind of like gently, you know, 
mocking uh, Dan's propensity for saying very obvious things on commentary. One line I remember is, uh, you know, fellas, I think the team that scores the most points is going to win the football game. <laughs> Which is kind of kind of great. Yeah. But, it reminds me of the John Madden school of. Uh, remember, John used to be criticized all the time for like say, and he runs an out route and absolutely. catches the ball and yeah. gets into clearance and blah blah blah. And like like what these critics are missing is that it's not about what these guys are saying, but about how they're saying it. Yes, it's just kind of like it's the symphony behind this game. You know? oh, I love that. Oh, but if that's so good. If, if Fouts doesn't go to Oregon, uh, I still think uh, Don Coriel gets there and he gets his quarterback uh, maybe seventy eight or seventy nine. You know. Uh, 78 was a very weak quarterback draft. The, the only guy who did anything at all was Doug Williams, and he was a very late bloomer. It was just kind of a weak draft in general. I do think they wait a year, uh, they would, in which case they could possibly have ended up with Phil Simms or Joe Montana. Imagine that. Chargers quarterback Joe Montana, who was taken with the last pick in the third round, by the way. <laughs> they wait another year, which I don't think Coriel would have done. Uh, Mark Malone was kind of the best of the, the bunch, and he wasn't really great. He was never a playoff quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Personally, for obvious reasons, my favorite scenario is that they wait until 81 and draft Neil Lomax out of the Portland State University. Oh, yes, and he sir! was actually pretty good for the Cardinals. I think he and Coriel would have made magic together. Oh, that's incredible. You know, uh, this has been an incredible conversation, and I, I really like the fact that we get to take some time to address it. Uh, uh, my apologies to the listeners who wanted to... Uh, uh, hear us talk about the historical counterfactual with uh, uh, the NCAA tournament happening or not. We're going to get to that. Tune in tomorrow. Yes, we're going to we're going to get to that in a segment on tomorrow's show. So listen for that. But for now, I do want to move on to uh, one of my favorite topics. Uh, what if Chip Kelly had stayed at Oregon? <laughs> uh, and of course, this this falls under the uh, the guise of. Us talking about Dan Fouts because the Chip Kelly era has been challenged as the greatest <laughs> era in Oregon football. But uh, uh, anyway, hop on over to Locked On uh, Eagles. There, you can find them on Twitter at Locked On Birds, where they do this excellent segment on what if Chip Kelly uh, uh, hadn't gone to the Eagles? What if he had stayed at the Eagles and not had uh, uh, personnel control? So, uh, as a as a hardcore NFL fan, it was it was a really good listen. So get on over there and listen to that. So let's just kind of look at the the history here, because obviously that's what I love. Now, Kelly was promoted from offensive coordinator, which a job he had in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and also obscure New Hampshire guy, like <laughs> all through the nineties and two thousands to. To be the head coach at the University of Oregon. I, I just want to note, I, I believe I did read that his first coaching job was unpaid. He was just a volunteer assistant. Yeah, he's like, I'll do it, guys. Yeah. Come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> so so he takes over as head coach in 2009. And this was not a well-liked hire by Oregon Ducks fans back then. That's and, hilarious. But the thing is, like it or not, that four-year stretch by Chip Kelly when he was head coach was the best four-year stretch in Oregon Ducks football history. Yep. Now you can argue that different coaches may have better tenures, but for four years, this was the best four-year stretch of uh, a program history. Pac-12 champions every year, uh, national title games, uh, and, and the big BCS bowl games. Not just you know the freaking Netflix nachos bowl or whatever, but like <laughs> actual you know Rose Bowl like the, the big games you I know? still I still see all those 12 and 0 t-shirts everywhere oh 
I think we mentioned that on another episode. Of course, they, they printed those a, a, week, a week too early. Yes, yes, they did. And we're definitely going to hit that. But uh, uh, the, the news was leaked in 2012 that he was thinking about taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coaching hmm. job, which... I would love to do an episode on what if Chip Kelly had gone to Tampa Bay sure. in 2000, you know, at that time when he was courting Marcus Mariota and they ended up taking Jameis Winston. <laughs> so, okay, okay, okay. Sorry, I digress. Uh, a Bill Walton School of Podcasting. He was hired by the Eagles in 2013. Now, uh, as a side note, this really worked at first. Like, sure. Like, Remember the Chip Kelly counter? Yes, they yeah. they actually had a, a play <laughs> clock to show how long his offense was on the field. Yeah. Uh, the 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 problem is his his coaching was spot on, but his general managing a pro team not so much. And I, I encourage you to hop over to Locked On Eagles to to hear about that. Yeah, that's that that's a thing that happens often. Uh, frankly, to Everybody I can remember except for Pete Carroll and Don Coriel when they make that college to uh, to professional jump. They they just it's a different ball of wax managing a bunch of professional businessmen than it is a bunch of kids. It's yeah. just a different and it's a different ball game. The 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 insider stories that you'll hear on Locked On Eagles will blow your mind yeah. about how Chip Kelly interacted with uh, his his team members. But uh, I do encourage you to watch the first game. His very first, uh, and this was a, a first regular season game against the Redskins in, in 2013. It's pretty much masterpiece theater uh, of football. <laughs> it, it, it's incredible. But uh, after he left for the NFL, Mark Elfridge took over and was promoted to head coach. And his first two years, he was 24-4. and four And got him to their second national title game where they... Lost to Ohio State, which is a rematch I really hope to watch. And in 2015 and 16, he was nine and four, and then four and eight, Oof. and two and seven in the Pac-12. Yeah. Well, these empires rise and fall. You know, we, we've seen many, many in our lifetime. We saw Nebraska in the 90s, Miami and USC in the early 2000s. We've seen the, the Alabama Death Star. These <laughs> things are so dependent on recruiting and when it falls it is god dang hard to get it back it is so hard to get to the top of that mountain and frankly it's hard to keep it like we we, we would not want to work nick saban's schedule we would not want to work chip college chip kelly's schedule or pro chip kelly's schedule by the way god but no you have to skip your wife's your child's <laughs> birth in order to meet with peyton manning Sh shout out adam gase but <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's hard to get there and these empires uh, rise and fall for sure so the, the next three years uh mark elfridge willie taggart and then finally mario cristobal and we're gonna have a great show on cristobal's coaching at some point i really can't wait to get to that but coach kelly uh let's pretend for a minute that he thinks oregon is a better opportunity for his legacy than going to the nfl now first of all don pelham uh, doesn't become the defensive coordinator in 2013. Uh, Nick Aliotti had a 15-year... Uh, he's a 15-year Oregon veteran. And when Chip Kelly left as defensive coordinator, he left. Hmm. And so we have a first-time coach, first-time defensive coordinator taking over for Chip Kelly. Now, could could uh, 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 Aliotti have solved Zeke's rushing attack in the inaugural college football championship game against Ohio State and then do they go on to beat a 12 and 1 and I, I hate to say that 12 and 1 is like bad but do they go on to beat a 12 and 1 Alabama team uh, you know the thing is is that 
Oregon's recruitment game, and I, I'm glad you brought up recruiting game, th- their recruitment game wouldn't be as good. Right now, UCLA is ranked 85th nationally in recruiting. Chip Kelly is not into recruiting, which should can be kind of, you can look at his time and, in Philadelphia. And that's and, <laughs> Nick Saban's whole life. Well, that, that's that's interesting, right? And God, the, the, the Cristobal coming from the Nick Saban school and bringing actual rec- recruiting yeah, from, yeah. from that is, is an entirely different and awesome conversation. But the, the continuation of experience and expertise would find Oregon in the playoff conversation every year. And, you know, I think we would be talking about the Sabans, the Myers, and the Kellys of college football. And But before I get your response... Uh, Oregon is in that conversation now, but we wouldn't have had the the streak from 2015 to 2018. Sure, Mario Cristobal would not have had to uh, plug the holes in the ship, so to speak, if if Kelly had never left. You know, it's the the best thing that ever happened to the Alabama football program was Nick Saban flaming out miserably in the NFL and realizing, wait a second, I have the greatest job in the world. Yeah, it's a tough schedule, but you know what? In all 50 states in the union. You know who's the highest paid public employee? 49 of them, it's a college football coach. The other one is a college basketball coach. Okay? And these guys are gods in their communities. They will have that job until they don't want it anymore. Hey, man, I will work 60 hours a week for, for Nick Saban's $7 million a year or whatever it is. Oh, gosh, yes. And the, the, the whole thing about, like, a better historical counterfactual might have been instead of going to UCLA... Did he come back to Oregon? And that's that's an entirely different conversation. Uh, we got to wrap it up. And uh, I want you to tune in tomorrow because we got basketball Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, we are going to analyze the turnover going into the 2020 season. But we're also first uh, going to bring McCormick Mondays back on a Tuesday to do What If COVID-19 Never Happened? And we got a chance to uh, have the men's and women's basketball teams in the NCAA tournament. Remember, Wednesdays and Fridays, we're uh, breaking down the position groups with James Voss from jamesvoss.net. We're going to be doing the defensive line and the linebackers. And uh, uh, you can always find me on Twitter at the Dust Off Guy. I'm your host, Jordan Long. This is Locked On Ducks, your daily source for info, updates, and analysis on your Oregon Ducks football and basketball. What do you think of our what ifs? What do you think we should talk about next? Like what what other what ifs? Give me a what if on Twitter. Hashtags ask LogPod. Go ahead and log into the Facebook page. Locked on Ducks. Let me know there. What if? What if uh, Steve Prefontaine had decided to go to Stanford? Like these are... It could go anywhere. It doesn't have to be football. Also, you can always email me. Uh, LockedOnDucks at gmail.com. Click subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Then subscribing is the best way to make sure that you get the the show as soon as it drops. It's the newest content the minute it's available. And if you're an Apple podcast listener, leave five out of five stars review. I'm going to go ahead and read your review on the air for our listener spotlight segment. That's it for Locked on Ducks. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on Conference shows. They have the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC, and the Big 12. It's a great chance to keep your eye on the enemy. Just say, hey, she who shall not be named, play podcast Locked on Big Ten or whatever conference you want to follow, and have a great day, stay healthy, and remember to be happy during these crazy times. Thank you, I love y'all, and go Ducks! (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.